Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 4, if you would. 1 Samuel and chapter number 4, as we stand in honor of God's Word here this evening. Again, it is good to have guests here this morning. I'm not sure if he's here tonight, but Tommy Copps is here this morning. I don't know if you got that warning or not, but uh, he's quite a blessing. Oh, there he is in the back. Brother Tommy, good to see you here. He lives down in the southeast part of the state now. Just thought I'd warn everybody, just in case. So, love Brother Tommy. We got to have breakfast together just a few uh, weeks ago and had a good time. Good time of fellowship. Sure enjoyed that. And Brother Andrew's parents are here from Iowa. Thankful for that. Helped him turn 40. What? Good night. Everybody's getting old around here. You know what I mean? Love it. All right. Well, let's get to the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 4. We're going to read verses uh, 12. Uh, through 22. Did you mind me mentioning that, Brother, Brother Andrew? I'm sorry, I should have asked you about that, but uh, yeah, okay, yep, good, thanks. All right, 1 Samuel 4, verse number 12. Um, so we'll deal with the context of this as we get into the preaching, just for the sake of time. We've got quite a bit of ground to try to cover here tonight, and uh, trust it'll be a, a help to us, uh, as it always is, the Word of God, that is, is always a help to us. It says, there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day. So we need to know what was going on that, that day. With his clothes rent and with earth upon his head. And when he came, lo, Eli, so Eli would be the priest of Shiloh. The Bible says that he sat upon a seat by the wayside. If you remember the first time we met Eli in the Bible's text, chapter 1, verse 9, he was sitting on a seat at the tabernacle in Shiloh. Okay, so here he is sitting by the wayside watching. For his heart trembled for the ark of God, the most holy uh, item of all the tabernacle is the ark because it represented God's presence. It was not an idol. Uh, it was not God's presence. It represented uh, many things, but the uh, presence of God. So his heart trembled. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, what meaneth the noise of this Tumult and the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now, Eli was 90 and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. And there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. Well, that's tragic. But then it goes on and says, And the ark of God was taken, is taken. In verse 18 it says, And it came to pass... When he made mention of the ark of God, that he, that be Eli, fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck break and he died for he was an old man and the text makes clear also here that he was heavy. Okay. And he judged Israel 40 years. Verse 19, and his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. By the way, this was to be a joyous occasion, wasn't it? The birth of any child uh, to be a joyous occasion. 
And even in their culture, the birth of a son, the namesake being able to go on. In many ways, they would even say even more so, um, it was a joyous occasion to be. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod. Ichabod, there's a play on words here. The word that Eli was heavy is kavod. Kavod, kavod. It's right here. It's the same word. Ichabod, kavod. It's a Hebrew word which means heavy, like um, Absalom's hair was heavy. There's so much of it. Okay. Uh, Eli was heavy set. He was, he was heavy. But it's also used of honor. It's actually, um, it's the word glorious. Okay. Weighty, we would say of a person's social position that they they're a person of great significance. They're a weighty individual. See, Ichabod. Ichabod, though, means this, no glory. No glory. Or it means this. There's a question as to exactly what it means. Where is the glory? Either way, it's gone. Either way, it's gone. Ichabod. The glory, it explains in verse 21, the glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because her father-in-law, because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory is departed from Israel. What a sad statement, right? The glory of God is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. I realize that's a sobering passage, but we need to hear it. It's a sobering passage. I've entitled the message this, The Exile of God's Glory. The exile. When, when she said the glory is departed, the word departed means it's exiled. It's, it's taken captive. It's taken away. The glory of God is somewhere where it's not supposed to be. It's exiled. What happens when those are, who are supposed to be taking a stand are sitting down on the job? May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. And would you pray that this message would go right? I trust that you always do that and pray that you'd have an open heart to the word of God here tonight. These words are attributed to a man named Alexander de Tocqueville uh, who came to see America long about 1833, I want to say. I didn't check that date, but he wrote at least a work called um, The Democracy of America, I believe is the title of the book. But it, these words are attributed to him. Now, some say he didn't say that, but nonetheless, uh, they are attributed to him. And even if he didn't say it, they, they really are um, right on. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless prairies, and it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her Democratic Congress and her matchless Constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went to the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and of her power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Could it be that the word Ichabod could be put over our country? Could it be? I'm not trying to be negative and fatalistic in any kind of way, not at all. But has the glory departed from America? Well, let's, let's bring it in a little bit closer here tonight. 
I believe by the grace of God, we're part of a glorious church, not because we're glorious. Come on, we know us, right? Not because we're glorious, but because he's glorious and he does glorious things in his church. But could it be that the glory of God could depart from Southwest Baptist Church so that it would no longer be known as Southwest Baptist Church, but Ichabod Baptist Church? It could. It could. Maybe your family is a reflection of God's glory. If it is, then you ought to just keep giving glory to God because it's not you. I guarantee it. It's not you. And if your life is a reflection of God's glory, again, it's not true. It's the glory of God. But could it be that your family would be known as Ichabod, the glory has departed, or, or your life is Ichabod because the glory has departed? Please understand what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying somebody could lose their salvation. That biblically is impossible. You can't lose the Holy Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit of God, once you're saved, then you are sealed until the day of redemption. I mean, there's no change in your status in God's family. But will we all agree here tonight that sin has consequences and could cause you to lose the glorious awareness of God's presence and his glorious work in your life. And I think all of us ought to take heed to a passage like this and listen, listen, it ought to, it ought to terrify us lest that should happen to us. So then I think we ought to ask the question then, how was it then that the glory departed from Israel? Why? Why did she say Ichabod? Why did she name her son Ichabod? And why was the glory departed from Israel? What was going on here? What led up to this? Because I tell you, the glory of God, the glory of God didn't just depart because the ark was taken captive down in the, into the land of, of the Philistines. That's not, that's not why it's called Ichabod. There's another reason there. It has everything to do with you and I. Well, what was going on here? The Israelites had fought. If you look at chapter four, we're not going to take time to reread this in any ways, but the Philistines had, had pitched in a place called Aphek and about 20, 25 miles away. And, and Israel had engaged them in battle and 4,000 men died. That's what happened. 4,000 men died. And, and the elders of Israel asked a very pertinent question. They said, why has this happened? Well, listen, when things are going wrong, you ought to stop and ask, why is this going on? Why are, is everybody listening to this here tonight? I need to make sure everybody's going to pay attention here tonight. I think you are. I'm looking up and seeing that you are, but I just, every now and then I know what it's like for my mind to kind of drift. Anybody else know what you're like, what it's like to have your mind kind of drift? But when things are going bad and when things are tough and when things just aren't right, hey, you ought to stop and say, I wonder why this is going on right here. Why is this happening? So then what they did is they said, well, here's what we ought to do. We ought to take the Ark of God, go down to Shiloh and get the Ark of God and transport the Ark of God into battle because that's not without biblical precedent. In fact, it makes it clear in the Word of God that they sometimes would, would do that as the, as the children of Israel were going across the, the Jordan River. Then the Ark of God led the way as the priests stepped down as they came to the brink of the river and they stepped down in there. They were carrying the Ark and immediately the water stopped uh, upstream and it stopped and they walked through on dry ground. The ark of God was involved in that. The ark of God was involved when they marched around the walls of Jericho seven days. And on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. And the ark of God was there leading the way, or rather actually was in the center of Israel. Part of the army was here. Part of the army was here. The ark of God was in the middle, symbolizing that God ought to be in the very middle of our nation. Symbolically, he ought to be the center point of our nation. And so it was not without biblical precedent that they would have the ark of God involved in victory or in a battle rather, I'm sorry. And so here they are, they say, well, let's go down to Shiloh, get the ark of God, treating it almost like a, like a pagan God though. See, there was a lack of knowledge of God in the land. This was the, coming out of the days of judges when every man was doing that which was right in their own eyes. And so they thought, well, let's, let's do with God like the pagan gods do with their gods. We were in India many years ago, and in India, they were carting around their gods. I mean, literally on a cart and carrying their God around. Hey, I'm glad we don't serve a God we got to carry around. I'm glad we serve God who carries us when we're low and when we need some help. I'm thankful to God for that. And, and so here they were carrying what they considered to be their God in there. And I, I'm not going to get back into all that. That was the last sermon. But, but here, here was the problem. The problem was not necessarily that they brought the ark of God to the land of the Philistines to fight there because that had been done before with God's approval. The problem was not the presence of the ark of God. 
The problem was the presence of Hophni and Phinehas and the sinful multitude of Israel. Because just because you have the outward form of like, everything's okay, here we got the ark of God, God doesn't put up with an outward form when there's not an inward reality to it. And so here they were, they thought for sure that everything's going to be okay now because the ark of God is on the scene. But here's the problem. They lost the battle at Aphek because they'd already been losing the battle at Shiloh because they didn't deal with sin. They didn't deal with the sin in Shiloh. So you're going to continue to have problems at work until you deal with the problem of your heart. You're going to have problems in your family. You're going to have problems at church. You're going to have problems. If you, if you, hang on, is this helping anybody right here? I'll move on if it's not. No, I won't. Right. You're saying, no, you won't. Uh, if you keep, you have problems, you get problems here with that person, then with that person, then with that person, then with that family, then with that job, and then with that job, you got lost that job, you got that job, and you got this problem here and that problem. There's a common denominator there. Yeah, all those sinful people around you. No, no, friend, the common denominator is you. I hate for you to be the last one to get the word, but you. If you're kidding to have all those problems, it's you. And, and, and so they didn't deal with the problem of the heart back here in Shiloh. Eli, who was the high priest that should have been dealing with righteousness, had his sons and he confronted them, but he didn't, he didn't remove them from ministry. Listen, here's what he did. He put relationship above righteousness. He put right, relationship above righteousness. And, and unfortunately, that can happen even today that we can put relationship, well, it's my family or, or, or well, they've been around here so long, we gotta just keep, let them, let them keep serving and there's not, they're not right with God. Hey, listen, God cares about what's right. He doesn't just care about formality. He doesn't care about just service. In fact, I just read through the book of Amos where God says, I want you to stop singing until you get your heart right. I don't want to hear any more of your instruments. I don't want any more of your sacrifices. I want you to be right on the inside. Then you'll be right with me on the outside, see. And they weren't willing to do that. And so there they are, carting off the, carting off the ark down to, to Aphek and, and going to go into battle with the Philistines. And I mean to tell you, when everybody in Israel saw the ark of the covenant, I mean, they rejoiced. They were high-fiving. They were rejoicing. In fact, the Philistines heard them about two miles away. That's how loud they were about this. But I'm telling you tonight, just because you get popular acclaim for your decisions that are outside the will of God does not mean that it's right. Even though everybody's saying, oh man, look at that. Look at that church. Look at that person. Look at, look at what they're doing. Hey, listen, just because you're popular does not mean that you're right with God. Because there's a lot of worldliness in churches. Whether it's the worldliness that shows up in a rock band or it's the worldliness that shows up in a, in a, in a fundamental independent Baptist church that has all their standards in the right place and yet they got a bad spirit about it. God's not pleased by that. Both extremes, he's not pleased by that. And they were defeated. 30,000 men died in that battle, including Hophni and Phinehas. And Eli, the priest, the Bible says, he's sitting in a seat and his heart trembled. You know why his heart was trembling? Because your heart won't let you rest and your heart won't rest when you know something's not right. He couldn't rest. What was he concerned about, preacher? Was he concerned about the people of Israel? Was he concerned about them? Absolutely. Was he concerned about his sons? No doubt. Concerned about his sons. But he already knew from the man of God that God said, I'm going to remove you. God's about to fulfill what he said. I, I, believe, I believe God graciously gave them some space to repent and get things right with God, but they didn't do it. They didn't do it. Hophni and Phinehas didn't do it. Eli didn't do it. And we found him at the very first, when we came into this book of 1 Samuel, we found him sitting in a seat. In fact, the word seat there that you see in your text here tonight, same word back there is also the word for throne. It's used in other contexts about throne. It's a position. It's a, pl it's a, it's a place of... It, it's a, a, a symbol of authority. He was sitting in his seat. It was a sim, symbol of his position. But I want to say to you tonight also, it's this. It's a symbol of his inactivity. 
He's sedentary. He's sitting there. When we first meet him, he's sitting there and he's, please, please forgive me for just being frank here tonight. He's fat. He's heavy set. He's kavod. You say, oh no, he's glorious. No, he's fat. He says the same word. <laughs> no, he, he's, he's overweight. You know why he's overweight? He's been eating a lot. Well, that was deep, wasn't it? Well, what's he been eating? Some of the best sacrifices you ever had in your mouth that was supposed to go to God, that was supposed to be feeding families, that was supposed to be committed to the work of God. And, and Eli rebuked him. He said, you shouldn't be doing this, but could you slice me off another piece of that meat? Just kept feeding his face and he was indulging. He, hang on, oh mercy. He's in a position to make a difference and he's enjoying the position. He's enjoying the position. He's enjoying the, the place there. He's enjoying the place of authority, but he's not using it. He's not using it. And so here we find him sitting on a seat by the wayside. And, and I don't know how to illustrate this. Just maybe sit here. This is a seat by the road and he can't, he can't see. In fact, the, the whole text is making it out very clear here for us to say the whole city heard out, heard first. I mean, this, this man that was running, this soldier that was running, he maybe, maybe even ran past Eli. I, I don't know exactly where the road was. I, I have in my mind's eye that he's sitting there by the wayside, by the road, trying to find out, wonder what happened to the ark of God. I, I wonder what the news is from that land. He's sitting there and the man maybe just ran past him. His clothes are torn. He's got dust on his head as a symbol of, of, of humiliation and of, of, of mourning and of grief. And he runs on into town. So then Eli, he can't see very well, but he hears the commotion in the city. And listen, the spiritual leader, the man that's supposed to have insight to spiritual things was the last one to know. That's an indictment. It's indictment for those who are spiritual leaders who are the last ones to know what's going on. Hang on, wait, listen, everybody wake, everybody follow me right here. It's an indictment for those that are in a position of leadership, whether it be a family or whether it be a Sunday school class or whether it be a pastor, whatever it may be. If you're in a position of some type of influence to have influence, spiritual influence on those about you, then it is a sad condition when you are not aware of what's really going on. And I realize people can pull the wool over our eyes. Are you listening to me here tonight? People can pull the wool over your eyes and you may not know dad, you may not know mom, you may not know husband, you may not know wife. I get that. People can be pretty sneaky. People can be pretty, pretty, uh, uh, they have great ability to do bad. They, they're real good at being bad. And they can kind of pull the wool. And I'm telling young people, you can pull the wool over the eyes of your parents for a while. And college age and young marriage, you can, you can pull the wool over a lot of people's eyes for a little while. But I want to tell you something tonight. There's a God in heaven who knows every single thought you've had and every single word that you say and every single deed that you do. But here's a man that didn't, he didn't know what was going on in many ways because he didn't want to know. He didn't want to deal with it. Now his heart is trembling and he's the last to know it. And the Bible says that, that he heard the word that, that now the, the army has been defeated, that Hophni and Phinehas died in, in the battle as well. But when he heard that the ark of God was taken, the Bible says that he fell backwards from his seat. 98 years old, heavy set. And the Bible says that he broke his neck. There's a connection here between this passage and the one we're about to go into chapter number five, because listen, this is what God's got to do. If people are not, hang on, if people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing in leadership positions like God wants them to do, to lead people in the right way, to have revival in a nation, our whole series is called When a Nation Needs Revival. Sometimes what God has to do in, in a church or in some other situation, sometimes he has to remove those that are not taking their position or maybe they're indulging in that position and it sure makes them have a great life and comfortable life and everything, but they're not leading people in the way of holiness. Then sometimes, I'm just simply saying church tonight, sometimes God's got to remove move them, get them out of the way so they can have revival. And he broke his neck. Well, in chapter five, Dagon, the Philistine God, they bring the, the Ark of the Covenant in before Dagon and Dagon falls on his face, the false God, and his neck breaks. A headless God, 
I'm glad our God doesn't lose his head like that. So the nation's about to have a revival under, under Samuel and under David, but right now here he is in a position of authority when really he ought to be taking a stand. But he's sitting down on the job, indulging in his position, but not taking a stand. Oh, he stood and said, boys, you ought not do that sat back down. And the word came that the ark was taken and he fell back and broke his neck and he died right there. His daughter-in-law who had a terrible marriage with her husband, don't you know, because he's been sexually involved with women at the tabernacle. And by the way, Eli was at the tabernacle and knew what was going on. But he didn't do anything about it. He knew what was going on, but he didn't do anything about it. And, and so now here's this, this lady that goes into labor and she's going to die at childbirth, but she does deliver the son and, and they try to cheer up and say, listen, you've got hope here. There's a son here. Everything's going to be okay. There's a future here. And she says, name him Ichabod. And then she died. Sad. Now you got a little orphan boy. No mom, no dad growing up in the land of Israel. Why? Because sin was in their family. There's a lot of orphans in the United States of America because sin's gotten in a bunch of families. A lot of people growing up without a dad tonight because sin got in the family. A lot of people growing up without a mom tonight because sin got in the family. Hey, listen, if sin did such a devastating work back there in the days of Israel and caused them to lose the glory of God, don't you know tonight that sin is just as deadly to the glorious work of God in your life? And that doesn't mean he doesn't care about you, but I'm telling you, friend, you won't sin without consequence. Because like I heard this morning in the Sunday school lesson, that the choice to sin is a choice to suffer. Ichabod. So I'm saying to you tonight that they lost the glory of God, not, please listen to this part right here, not because the Philistines were of greater military might than the Israelites. Because there's about to be a 17-year-old boy that's going to come out on the scene with a, a slingshot that's going to show that the, even the, Goliath, the, the giant Goliath, the Philistine, is no match for God, not for David. See? So it wasn't, it wasn't that the Philistines were greater, mightier, more organized, more powerful than the people of God. That wasn't it. It wasn't that they had a better position or a better platform or, or more at resources at their disposal. I'm telling you, it was not the Philistines that took the glory of God from the country. It was the people of God who should have been taking a stand that were sitting in their own comfortable indulgence. Oh man, whole world's in a bad shape. This news is terrible. I'm eating. Did you drink out of this, Brother Ted? Saturday morning. I wonder how long I've been in this chair. Nine o'clock. Preacher says they serve biscuits and gravy down there at the church before you go out on visitation. That sounds good. I don't want to get up out of this chair. I'm just going to watch SEC football now. There's a lot of things wrong in America. I ought to be caring about somebody. I am. Kids want time? No, I ain't got time for them right now. I'm busy. You following me? Yep. 
supposed to be leading your family. He did what? Ah, boys will be boys. <clears throat> what? She wants to wear what? I mean, it's hard to find modest clothes today. Let them wear. Let her wear them. Let her wear it. I know, I know, but she's talking to who? Again? I thought I got rid of him. What are y'all doing here? <laughs> you listening to me? You found it on her phone? That's not good. That's not good. Don't do that. Next game. I need to take us some business. What you should have done is gone in there and taken her phone. Preacher, look, if I take her phone and I tell her she can't wear that, or if I tell him he can't, he can't stay out late like he's been doing, if I, if I tell him he can't play that game anymore, if I tell him he can't listen to that music anymore, if I, if I tell him that he can't watch that, if, if we're not going to watch that, then he's going to be missing out. Are you listening to me? He's going to be missing out on all kinds of stuff, and he's not going to be, he won't fit in. He won't fit in at school. He won't fit in even in the youth group. And all the while, the Philistines are flooding into this church. Now, young people, I, hey, listen, please, please don't think right now that I, I don't think God's done a great work in your life this summer because I know that he has. He's done something. I know he has. I believe he has. I've seen it. I don't think you've made a trip to the altar that you didn't mean. I don't think that you, that you, uh, you haven't listened. But I'm saying tonight to the parents, listen, we're not supposed to be sitting or the members of this church sitting idly by just kind of enjoying our pew and enjoying our position and enjoying our place and enjoying our heritage, enjoying our history. Well, they go on and they got a heart for God. Yet we're in positions of influence, but we're self-indulgent. I'll tell you what's wrong with America, preach. I'll tell you right now what it is. Radical feminism flooding into our land. Radical feminism. I'll, I'll tell you what's wrong. Socialism flooding into our land, preachers. Socialistic Democrats and then Republicans and name-only people. Rhinos. I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's the homosexuals that have messed up our country. Transgenderism, drag queens reading books to kids at libraries. That's terrible. It's awful. It's what's messing up our country. Influx of immigrants and, and all this, and we're not even doing a thing about it. You know what that's like? That's like saying the Philistines were mightier than the Israelites. We're not losing because of the homosexuals that have flooded into our country. We're losing because we didn't get up out of our seat a long time ago, back in the 80s and back in the 90s and in the 2000s. And now we're waking up in this country finally and saying, what in the world? We're surrounded everywhere. And the reason they were defeated was not because of the might of the Philistines, but because People that were supposed to be spiritually active were passive in their roles. It's what happens when those that are supposed to take a stand just kind of settle on their lease. And the glory is departed. It could happen in one generation at this church. One generation. 
bunch of standards? Man, my kids have to dress how to go to camp? They got to dress how to go to the water park? They can't go with girls? Yeah, they don't need to be there with the girls. And girls don't need to be there with the guys. Why? Because they've got eyes. <laughs> all the other churches, preacher, all the other churches, it's an emotionally charged word, but all the other churches, I mean, they've got a praise man up here and... Um, She's leading the music. Hmm? And I mean, she's so good. She, she could have been in, she could have been in Nashville. She could have been, but there she is in the church. Oh, she probably couldn't have made it in Nashville. That's why she's there. Well, man, you're just being really unkind. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just trying to say where things have gone. And, and nobody stood up. And nobody said, we're not doing that song again. Or in the first place, we're not going to do that song. I have a weekly meeting with that man and with Brother Kevin, wherever he is. Uh, we have a weekly meeting and we go over the new music here to make sure that what comes up here on the platform, up, up here, to, that's supposed to be the honor and praise of God, is just that. That it's holy in its origin. And that it's holy in its words. And that it's ho holy in, in the way that it's presented. Because listen, friend, I realize there's not music theory in the Bible. I get that. I understand that. But there are passages in the Bible that we're supposed to be holy in all men of conversation and music is one manner of conversation and we're to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul and I've seen it happen in a Bible college and I've seen it happen in a church that when the music changes and the dress changes they'll seem like so incidental things but I'm telling you it floods in and it begins to change a church that's just like this church a church that used to be sold out on soul winning and cared about souls and loved people and that preached the Bible because the next thing you know, man, that King James Bible is really hard to understand. How about we get about maybe three or four different versions of it so that, or versions that, so that it'd be a little bit easier for everybody to understand and then you get to read like, like Brother Dennis Steen did. I just talked to Brother Dennis Steen. This be Miss Sarah's uh, brother-in-law who's a chaplain in the army and he's reading from Acts chapter number eight and how that those that were saved, they went down into the water and they were baptized and one of those soldiers said, excuse me, sir, wait a minute. I just read my Bible here, my new international version, and that verse is not in there. Why is that? It's based on another text. It's based on a different text family. And I realize that gets technical in a hurry, but listen, friend, truth matters. And these things matter. We can't just, we can't begin to backslide because when you backslide, you fall off backwards and you break your neck and the glory of God departs from a church. I've seen it happen too many times. May God help us here not to let it happen here at this church because God's word is holy and his people ought to be holy and his music ought to be holy and preaching ought to be holy and our lives ought to be holy, not just when we're in church, but when we're in the car and when we're at the house and when we're out and about and when we're at the job, I'm telling you, otherwise, Otherwise, the glory of God could depart. But you need to stand up, sir. You need to stand up, man, and say, not in my, not in my family, not in our church. We're not singing that song again. Amen. We're not watching that. We're not going there. We're not doing that. And that's not legalism. I said, that's not legalism. That's just taking the word of God as it is and trying to apply it to our lives as we are. And when you do that, friend, you come out saying, recognizing that God is holy. He deserves holiness for my life. Start having in these church growth gurus from non-Baptist churches. Have your big idea day and next thing you know you got so-and-so from Canada or wherever it is. It's not a Baptist trying to tell Baptist churches how to be a Baptist. It doesn't work. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to say I've already been, I've already seen where that road goes at a Bible college and I've seen where it goes in a church and I'm not interested in that direction. Because that's the way down to Philistia. And I like 54th and Blackwater. 
and your sons and your daughters and this generation needs us to get up off of our seat and not just use it as a place of indulgence, but to get up off of our seat and say, I want to serve God too, not just those young people. And that's how we save another generation. And then what you all do with it, listen, that's up to you. We, we can't make your decisions about all these things. And I realize those are buzzwords and they can be amen buttons. And I'm not just trying to push all the amen buttons, but every now and then they got to be pushed. So that you understand who you are and why you are what you are. Biblically. And, and you say, well, give me book, chapter, and verse on, on all these things. Well, listen, here's what certainly we are able to do. We can go to see who God is and based on who God is, what the biblical principles are. And as a result of that, what kind of church this ought to be and what kind of a man or a woman you ought to be and what kind of family, what kind of marriage and what kind of music and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that we ought to have. That's how able the word of God is. I'm confident in it. But we can't just sit by the wayside and say, mm, oh, well. You can't stop them. You can stop them in your home. When's the last time you checked your young person's phone? I'm your friend. I'm your pastor first. All right, I'm a shepherd. Shepherd's got a big stick. Every now and then when a wolf comes or a lion comes or a TikTok tiger comes huh? or an Instagram insect that's deadly and poisonous comes. Come on, I'm just totally making this up on the fly right here. Okay. When a Snapchat, Snapchat snake comes, <laughs> cut his head off. It'll mess your life up. Music that's got the wrong message, it'll mess your life up. Don't, 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 don't think it won't. Uh, they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, not if you'll be the man or woman that you ought to be. You can help shape and mold their life. You say, well, I, you know, I'm a grandparent. Hey, listen, you can still have an impact influence. I'm just a friend. You can have an impact influence. I was going to illustrate tonight. Um, we did this at camp. You remember, young people? We had a circle. Around. Okay, let's do it. Brother Andrew, Miss Abby, would y'all mind to come? Brother Seth, would you come? Let's do this real quick. Brother Aaron, would you come? Uh, the interns, uh, all of you, would you come? This is our last day. Let's put them to work. Y'all just come up here on the platform on this side. Y'all make your way to the front. Stop off at the altar. No, just kidding. Okay, y'all come over here. Brother Hunter, Brother Noah, appreciate the hard work of these men. Um, let's see, need one more. Bishop, are you here? See in church? <laughs> Security, he better be. All right. Let's see. Marcus, you mind to come up? Okay. Let me get set here just a minute. Okay. Um, Brother, Brother Josh, thank you. Brother Seth, Brother Josh, Hayline, and then uh, Joel, R Joel McCoy. Say it again. Okay. Josh, you're coming. Come quick. Come quick. Is anybody his friend? I want to come on up. No, he's got a bunch of friends. Okay. All right. Y'all over here. But Josh over here. At camp, we used the life of Samson at night and Ruth and Boaz in the morning. Both lived in the same culture, but totally different results. Here's what we have. Um, we have a circle of protection around this young man's precious life. Now he's got parents here. I guess I could have used his, his parents, his real parents. <laughs> Can they be his parents for momentary? Okay, good. All right. So he's got, he's got dad and he's got mom right here. He's got a godly youth pastor in his life that cares about him. That's gonna tell him what's right, even if he don't wanna hear it. He's got a godly friend that he works with and, and that also he works in the ministry with. And he plays basketball with him. Am I right about that? Yep. And then he's got Brother Aaron here, his godly music leader, who is totally hip. <laughs> Can't you see it? <laughs> got one of those contemporary hairstyles. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. Hey, God's not called us to be hip. He's called us to be holy. 
And then we got the bad guys. Sorry, Marcus. You just got in on this. Yeah. Trials, temptations, and tiffs. Trials are coming to these young people's lives. They're coming. Temptations are coming. Large and small temptations. Tiffs, come on, we just got to have a letter T. That means an altercation with somebody, a disagreement with somebody. They're coming, they're coming, they're going to come. And what happens is, is this trial tries to get in and get him out of the circle of God's place where he wants you to be. And by the way, you've got this same place in your life where God wants you to be. That trial is going to try to get in. Go ahead and get in. And you're going to see what's going to happen as dad says, uh-uh. And he better not mess with mom. I'll just tell you that. Okay. And then his youth pastor tries to help if you go that direction. And then he's staying in guarding there. And then his godly friend is going to try to help as well, not let him get in that way. And that trial will get him there. And the godly music, he's going to hear some good godly music that's going to encourage his heart in the midst of that trial to tell him not to give up. And he's going to, no, no he's not going to push him off. <laughs> okay, come back over here. Come back over here. And then let's do the same thing, okay, a little bit quicker, Brother Noah. So a temptation is trying to slip in real quick. And, and watch what happens as this temptation. See that youth pastor jump in there? See that dad jump in there first? Look at how this is going. This is awesome. Okay, let's get out. Oh, man, Brother Aaron. Brother Aaron's about to go off on him. About to throw down some glory bound on him, huh? Oh, yeah, throwing down some glory bound. I like it anyways. You see what's happening? Miss Abby's just saying, but don't mess with her. She's a logue. You listen to me? She's a logue. Before she was an Albert, she's a logue. And I don't mess with any logue. Are you listening now? I'm telling you. It's awesome. Okay, thank you. And we could do the same thing here with a tiff. And maybe let's do that. A little tiff comes in and, and you, have a, you have a disagreement with dad. And, and so now you try to come in and the youth pastor saying, oh, no, 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 wait. You need to protect. You need to rep. Okay, good, man. Aaron's getting aggressive. I like it. I like it. Now, what, what can happen, though, just stay there. What can happen, actually, is Brother Josh can kind of get into it with his dad a little bit. Watch this. He kind of gets into it with his dad. Huh? And dad, hey, dad's trying to help him. He took his phone away. Huh? And then he didn't like that, so he mouthed off to the youth pastor at camp. And the youth pastor put him in a headlock. <laughs> you, see, you see how that happens? And, and we try to get out of the place of divine appointment, the place of safety. And, and sometimes you all get back in place. And, and the bad thing is, we're not going to illustrate this. You can go back over here. The bad thing about this is it's not just one at a time in life. It's all of them. Yeah. A trial comes that leads to a temptation that sometimes leads to a tiff all at one time. But here's the point tonight. What if dad's not in his place? Just have a seat. Now that temptation comes. Temptation that's you, Illinois. <laughs> Remember your role. He comes in. Now watch what easy access he's got when dad's not in his place. Are you listening to this? Amen. You see that? See how that can happen? And, and then what? Oh, we needed a pastor. Hang on, I'm the pastor. So <laughs> then the pastor, what if the pa I wasn't in my place. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting some part of this illustration. We needed a pastor. And... Uh, and, and the pastor is going to preach against temptation and resisting temptation. And so as he, as he I just feel like throwing down right now, to tell you the truth. So, okay, you, you get what I'm saying? But then when mom's not in her place, and when youth pastor, if he's not living right and in his place, and if his friend's not doing right and in his place, and he's kicked music out of his life, then look, watch what we've got here. We've got a young man or a young lady all by herself trying to handle the trials, temptations, and tips of life, and they're going to come with a fury. And he's all by himself, and he's, he's out of church, and he's out of God's will, and he knows he is. And now he's got, now y'all just, y'all get him, okay? And, and so now he's getting beat up by life, like bills and debt and regret and shame and guilt and bad relationships and bad friendships and lost a job. Are you listening to me? I'm telling you, it just keeps going on. Okay, yeah, stop. <laughs> I'm just simply saying tonight, they didn't lose because the Philistines came in. They lost because Eli sat down on the job. I'm asking you tonight, are you in your place? Let's stand together. Thank you all so very much. I appreciate it. So we stand tonight. How about we just have invitation? And if you're not in your place, would you make some changes here? I, I thought about, well, what's the solution to this? What, what does the solution look like to this? Begin with your relationship with God first. Say, God, I, I've not been where I ought to be. I've been passive. I've been inactive. 
been sedentary spiritually, and I ask you to forgive me first. That's where to start. And then I, I, I believe the next step would be to talk, to say, listen, I, I've, I've been wrong. Would you, would you forgive me and hold me accountable? I want to do what's right. And then even to talk to those that are under your authority to say, listen, I, I've been slack. I've been lax on some decisions right here. I've been, I've been lax on some of the, the standards of our family or the standards in my life. And I want to, I want to do right by God there. And then, and then, and then once you've talked to God and you've talked to those with whom you have responsibility and then, and then you take action. Whatever that looks like. And it may mean for the next month you're not watching television or you're getting rid of the television. I, I don't know how radical you've got to be with this, but it may be that if your phone has just really been a terror to you, that you just need to get rid of it. What, whatever radical action, or you need, to, you need to unfriend this person. I'm not saying being unfriendly and, and mean-spirited, and that's not it at all, but it may be you need to separate yourself from that friend or group of friends to be right with God here tonight and right in your place. And maybe you haven't been as actively involved in, in serving the Lord. Get with God first. I, I'm, I'm going to emphasize that order. God first, then the people that are in your life, and then take action. So dear God, um, this word confronted me here. Lord, this passage confronted me first, and now I've tried to use it to confront your dear people that you love more than I do. And God, I thank you for your sincere love for all of us. And I pray, dear God, that you would help us not to allow the evil one to get in here. But like we heard this morning in our prayer meeting, that you'd keep us safe. I forget the verses that were used that Brother Garth used, but it's so appropriate. And Brother John used along the same lines there in Proverbs 1 about a place of safety. Even while chaos is in the world, God, you can put us in a place of safety if we'll just be active in our spiritual life. Help us here tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Page 505. Would you come if you want to come and pray together, pray with someone as we begin to sing.